0: Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Jennifer Stoniker, Advanced Lecturer and Coordinator of Pedagogical Technology in the Program in Writing and Rhetoric at Stanford University. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We love to hear these stories uh, and, you know, we, we sometimes get little tidbits from folks that were like, yeah, this student, you know, went through um, this reflective process and and sometimes it's the ones that struggle the most in the beginning But then they have these kind of light bulb moments that are like, oh, this is what I need to be doing. And they might not have made that uh, choice or had that realization if they hadn't gone through the process of seeing where some of these different experiences really do connect, you know, uh, without having that kind of outside view of things and just going through the day to day. Uh, Sometimes we miss the kind of overarching decisions that, you know, our guts kind of leading us. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. So I'm excited that you're going to be doing these interviews with the students. I think that that will be some really interesting information about what that was all about. And before our conversation today, I did peek at the uh, public ePortfolio directory and did notice that there are a number of alumni that have gone back and have been making some updates to the portfolios that they created. Um, I don't know if you know of any in particular, but um, what was the, um, what was it like having the alumni there back mentoring the, the students?
1: It was amazing. I mean, I'm just, I don't know, I'm always so impressed with our students, right? They're just, they have really big ideas about what they wanna do. I mean, you always do when you're like 20 or 21 years old um, and they're kind of like just starting off on those first stages of like tackling these big problems, you know, climate change and, you know, pandemics and all kinds of things. And yeah, it was just amazing to have them come back. They were so, and I think this has always been something that has come through with the showcases as well because they've done so much reflective work In the process of building up the portfolio, when they go to talk about it, they're just like, they're just so able to talk about themselves in really just eloquent and amazing ways. Um, And that still came through, you know, like all these years later with the alumni that were coming back. They were so just able to make those connections between, oh, yeah, like I did this thing. Well, you know, I wrote about this in my portfolio and now this is what I'm doing now. And here's how they're connected. Um, And, you know, this was something I learned in, like, our intro to science communication class that, like, is really important in the work I'm doing now. Um, And it was just really lovely to see that that ability to make connections um, definitely seemed to still be there. And, yeah, it was just it was, I think, a really motivating moment for they came and talked We've sort of had it open to everyone, but all of the seniors that were graduating this year were there. And I think it was just a really lovely moment um, for the graduating seniors to be able to hear from sort of these students who were a few years ahead of them. But also to kind of put some some sort of faces to names, because we do go back through our portfolio archive and use that um, with the students in the portfolio preparation classes as examples. And so it was like, oh yeah, like we've seen your portfolio. um, And, you know, we've talked about this thing and that thing. And then to kind of like finally have a person associated with that was really fun. And yeah, like some of the students have been maintaining their portfolios, um, especially in the first couple years, I think, you know, depending on what they do, they might be working for a year or two and then like applying to grad school or medical school. And so they'll kind of polish it up before they go on to that next stage. Um we did have another student who was building a new website for herself. Um she had been working in kind of public science communication and was kind of building a more elaborate website based but she still was talking about how like all of the work she had done on her portfolio was really kind of preparing her to make this kind of more, you know, professional website with all of her like videos and everything. Um and so it was great to kind of see those connections. And to think about, again, just like, I I love seeing that transfer, right? I mean, that's like sort of the bane of every teacher's existence is you spend like all these weeks with students and then they like go off to summer or whatever and they lose a lot of it. And so it was just really lovely to see some of those threads kind of still connecting through with our students um, all those years later.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure it's quite inspiring for the students to be able to see where all of these alumni are you know, out in the world doing doing many of the things that they're probably aspiring to do right. um, so that that's really, yeah, wonderful. and especially
1: because, um for science communication, there's not necessarily a clear pathway of like, here's the job that I want to go into, um you know, it's a little bit more nebulous and it can sometimes be hard to find those opportunities. So I think even just like getting a sense of the different range of what people were working on um, and the different paths that they had taken after they had graduated uh, was really helpful as well. Um, Yeah, it's always, models are always great. (laughs) Yeah. And we're really fortunate now that the program has sort of grown to the level it has that we sort of have these great examples, both of portfolios, but also of alumni. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I imagine some of these portfolios are inspiring students at other institutions as well. Uh, A a good number of them have been shared publicly and um, are really extraordinary examples. Um, You know, we sometimes still bump into institutions that feel like they have a good understanding of how to utilize e-portfolios in the languages or um, writing, uh, nursing, education, um, but sometimes feel like they're not quite sure how to approach students in more science or math-oriented disciplines. And um, one piece of that is just this, feeling that they're not going to be able to have them reflect about their work that, you know, they feel like everything is just going to be, you know, having, they just want to give the right answer, solve a problem and won't have the ability to really reflect on their learning. So I was curious if you could share with our listeners. I I mean, clearly in the portfolios, you've been able to um, help the students accomplish very deep reflection. Um, Are there specific kinds of prompts that you give them or kind of going back to that scaffolding, how you introduce them to the whole idea of reflection um, that, that, Others may be having, you know, some struggles in how to communicate with this particular kind of student.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, so for the reflections, we do sort of have a little bit of a formula that we have them do, uh, or at least to start with, and then they can kind of go off from there. And it gets tricky because for our students, we do really want them to focus on the science communication aspect Um, and sometimes I do just want to kind of talk about the science aspect, which is fine, but we want to make sure that kind of both are there in those situations. Um, and we also really want the portfolios to be, you know, learning portfolios and that they show their growth over time. So we don't want them just to say, oh, this is the best, this is my best, this, and this is my best that. Um, but to really show how they've taken what they learned in one context and maybe improved it the next time they did it. And sometimes we'll even see students do that very explicitly, where they'll take like, here was the first poster I ever made. um, And then here's the most recent poster. And here's what I took from, you know, what I learned, got feedback from the first one and then made the second one better or the last one better. But yeah, I think for the reflections, we encourage them first to give a little context about what the artifact is about, because, um, They are coming from all these different disciplines and their audience is potentially from other disciplines. And so you do have to give a little bit of like orientation kind of information about what is this thing in the first place. So a little bit of context. And then we really wanted them to think about, you know, what's sort of what's the science communication? What are the science communication choices that you made in producing this artifact? Um, So I keep going back to like a science poster, but like, let's say it's a poster you know, and they wanted to talk about how they laid out the information, how they tried to use more images versus text. Um, Maybe they also talk about, you know, there's that kind of presentation aspect of a poster during a poster session where people are walking around. So maybe they talk a little bit about how they, like what they highlighted from their poster when they were talking to a real person, but really kind of focusing on, you know, the specific things that they learned and that they kind of put into that particular artifact. Um, and then we encourage them to have this kind of like growth and application setting section where it's, um, you know, here's what I maybe could have done better. Like maybe I wouldn't have picked those colors because they're not as accessible or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and then this is kind of what I did better the next time. And often this is a great thing about, you know, digication is that they can link, right? So they have their artifact, they have their reflection and they can say, you know, and when I did my next poster link to the next poster, or when I did this other project and you can link out to different pages. And so they do spend a lot of time on building their sitemaps, but then they can also kind of draw these connections um, by using the links within the reflection um, to take people on kind of different journeys or to highlight different connections in that way. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of what we do, sort of context, sort of what they learned, and then how they applied that in other situations.
0: Great. And I didn't realize you had them go through the process of kind of planning out their sitemaps, but that's probably quite helpful when they're thinking about, you know, how some of these things really do connect to each other and, you know, maybe how to make that thread something that the, the person kind of viewing their portfolio will understand also. At, at what stage do they, do they do that? Do they start building and then make a map? Is it something that they keep kind of going back and refining?
1: it's very iterative. Like there's lots of sort of like testing and then refining that happens. Um, I would say it happens. So they do, we encourage them to do like, they have like this opening reflection cover letter Mm -hmm. and we have them write that first and then using what they kind of, the story that they tell in that cover letter to help build the site architecture. Um, And this is definitely something that really, like we've been learning a lot about over time. The initial plat, we didn't use Digication initially um, and the initial platform, that was chosen it was just like a linear run of artifacts there wasn't any ability to add sort of pages and nested architecture Um, and so when we did start using digication the students were like so excited and that they could group things together and they could bake these categories and then those categories could be themed based on the story they were trying to tell and it really just expanded the possibilities um, for the students and what they were working on and how they were thinking about their portfolios kind of overall And I think that was around, um, we had our kind of the person who was doing a lot of the work that I'm doing now was Janae Cohn, who's now at, uh, Cal State Sacramento. Um, but she had this great activity that she developed for the, the portfolio courses where she took some of the sample portfolios and just, um, like typed out the artifacts and then cut little strips of paper and jumbled them up and gave them to the students and said okay here's 10 artifacts from a portfolio how would you how would you organize them like what site architecture would you use and the students would do that in groups and then it was like the reveal of the actual portfolio and it's like well here's what the student chose and how they chose to arrange their artifacts and again it just like helped them see the different possibilities of, you know, there's not just one way of laying out the information. There's multiple stories that you can tell here. And part of your job in building the portfolio is deciding which story you want to tell. So like you, maybe not knowing the student chose this story and maybe that's the same story they chose to tell or maybe they chose to tell it in a different way. Um, And I love that activity. It's so much fun. And of course now because of covid they're all in jam boards. Yeah. So we have these jam boards with like all the artifacts and the students have to arrange it that way. Um, but the little slips of paper are around here somewhere and um, we'll, we'll still use those when we're back in the classroom. Uh, again. But, what yeah, a, it's a great activity yeah, and she was that, so okay. instrumental. Yeah. It's having that.
0: I love that. And I, I think it's so great because if it's somebody else's artifacts, right, you don't have that emotional connection to it. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh, what a wonderful idea. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I was, uh, curious, um, you know, over time as this, uh, notation has been developing, are you finding that there's, um, a particular kind of student that is being attracted to this, um, and has that shifted at all since the program started? That's a great question. I think
1: it's definitely, I mean, we, we sort of have two kind of general types of students. The, the one type is students who want to continue on in a career in sort of research science or engineering, um, but who also understand the value of communication and want to be, you know, effective at communicating both to other scientists and engineers, but also to the general public. Um, And so we kind of have that category. And then there's another category that are, like, they want to be science communicators, like, as their job. Like, they like science, but they don't want to, like, do research. Um, They want to be, you know, journalists. They want to, you know, write speeches for you know, the president Mm -hmm. about environmental policy. They want to, you know, work at museums and aquariums or teach and do stuff like that. And I would say those are the two broad categories. Um, And I think, I don't know that we've had necessarily like a change in the amount of students that we have from each of those. Like it's been pretty consistent that we've always had both of those types of students. Um, And I think our program, provides a really important space for both of those types of students, because like I came up through a science program and there's not always a lot of emphasis on science communication. And if there is, it's usually only about communicating to the general public. There's usually not a lot of teaching about like how you actually like write a scientific paper or write a, you know, write a proposal or do a poster. It's just expected that you kind of, figure out how to do it on your own. And so we do give space to those students to practice those skills. And then for the students that are interested in like a career in science communication, um, I think we can help show them some of the possibilities and hopefully like help um, get them thinking about places they can, like again, because these jobs aren't always easy to find. There's not like a, at least that I know of, a big repository of them somewhere. And so helping them think about the different places where science communication is done, And kind of getting them out there um, doing that type of work. We also have a environmental communication master's program here at Stanford. And so there's a lot of sort of like cross sort of students move kind of back and forth between, or they'll move from our program into that program um, in a lot of cases, if they're those students that want to do the career in science communication. And then let's see. So yeah, all of the students really value science communication. I think they also appreciate the sort of value of reflection. Um, I don't think they would stick with the program if they didn't because we hit them pretty hard with it <laughs> at the very <laughs> beginning and it continues throughout. Um, <laughs> but they are students who are willing to kind of take that step back, you know, and think about what they're learning, think about the connections between things, um, and sort of value that type of work and also appreciate that final product. I think a lot of them initially And maybe this is not true, but my impression is that a lot of them do find the idea of the portfolio as something to show to potential employers um, as a really valuable reason for joining the program in the first place. Um, And then, you know, they kind of get all of the other benefits of just sort of thinking about and reflecting on their learning from being in the program. So even if they never, and I, I feel like, I've heard other people say this too, but like even if they never showed their portfolio to anyone, just doing the work of building that portfolio would really have helped, really helps them talk about themselves. Um, And so it can be, um, it's just really helps them construct that identity, which when you're like 20 or 21 years old, like thinking about who you are and who you want to be is sometimes kind of a fraught thing to think about. And so having that structure in place to give them that is really useful. And for some students, it's definitely harder than others. Um, Like some students are going through bigger changes in their lives overall. And so that can, that sometimes comes through in struggling more with their portfolios. Um,
0: But it's still valuable to go through that process,
1: regardless of sort of where they're coming from and where they're going. Yeah
0: yeah and I know one of my takeaways from being able to go to some of the showcase events as you mentioned it was set up kind of like poster sessions sometimes are where the the student is there with the monitor. but you know as individuals um kind of going from each of the very talking to each of the various students, you know they're all prepared to really give you an introduction to who they are, what they were studying, what they wanted to share within their e-portfolio, why they wanted to share it. And then you have the opportunity to ask them to kind of maybe spend some time on certain pages that you want to learn more about, or if you have questions about, you know, how they made choices and what they were organizing. And you mentioned that, you know, many of them have, other interests too. I remember one was just an incredible photographer and had a whole kind of gallery set up um, and was talking about, you know, the connection of that to things that he was doing. Um, He may have been one of the students that was interested in exploring and um, going more into that field of climate change. But it was just remarkable how, you know, they do have this very clear way of communicating who they are and what their experience is and where they want to go in the world. And, um, you know, that's before you even start really looking at the pages, you get this beautiful introduction to kind of what they're, they're all about. And then you get to see the kind of visual side of it. So it's a, it's a lovely part of the, um, way that the showcases organize and is a you know clear demonstration that they've gotten very comfortable about talking about themselves not just the the work that they've done and i'm sure that that's going to be something that's helpful for them you know after they leave the leave the institution as well and i was curious um if there's any particular reflections that you've heard from students um maybe not in the portfolio themselves but that they've shared with you or alumni maybe that have been coming back about what this you know participating in this process has been like for them
1: yeah I mean I do think they you know they really appreciate it that they've had this opportunity to sit down amongst the like all of the busy things that they're doing during their time in school to actually just sit down and reflect back on it. And I think in some cases they're just kind of overwhelmed by actually how much they've done. They're like, Oh my gosh, I have so many, like I have so much more than I thought I did. Um, And that's always really kind of fun to see. And then, yeah, just, You know, I remember sometimes like we'll have students who come in and they're just very nervous. Like we so in addition to the portfolio classes, they do take some science communication classes and we have like an intro to science communication that they all take. Um, You know, sometimes they come into that class really nervous because they just don't feel like they, you know, they don't know anything and they don't have anything. And then it's great to see them, you know. Two years later, or a year later, when they're taking the portfolio class, and to be able to say, "Oh, actually, like I, I know this. Like I can do this, and I've learned all of this." And I think that's really powerful for students, right? That sometimes you know you are just ticking the boxes and going through the motions of like, "Oh, I have to take this class and then this class and then this class," but to really sit down and reflect. Um, on what you've done and on what you've learned, not just to show to other people, but also for yourself so that you can show yourself like, oh, actually I can do all of these things and have that confidence as you go out into the world. Um, I think that's one thing that's really special with the portfolios and that you get from the students. Like they just, like you said, they're so confident and able to talk about themselves. They're so comfortable talking about themselves. And that's one thing that we can kind of give them that they can continue to take as they go out in the world.
0: And I was curious too. So I, I know you mentioned that your background was in biology and I was wondering if you could share a little bit of, of your story and how that led you to what you're doing now.
1: Totally. Yeah. Um, so yes, I am a biologist. My PhD is in plant biology. Um, I looked at how corn genes are regulated, Um, like when you think about like colored corn that might be blue or red, like we kind of looked at those genes and how they turn on and off just sort of as a tool for studying. Yeah. How, how the genes, how the genome functions. And when I, and this is something I definitely tell the students, like we talk a lot about this because I feel like if they're going to be really open with me, I'm also going to be really open with them about my journey. Um, when I finished graduate school, I was just really burnt out on doing research, you know. A lot of times, scientific research is just a lot of troubleshooting to even get something to work. And I just wanted to like do something different. And I'd always really loved teaching. Like I knew that whatever career I was going to go into, like teaching was going to need to be a part of that. I just wasn't sure like what percentage it was going to be. And so when I graduated, I actually went and worked for um, like a science summer camp uh, program at one of the local museums and that was amazing it was just like pure joy about science it wasn't like concerns about like having to reorder supplies or having to tweak this protocol it was just like fun um, and that was really amazing and I kind of transitioned from that into teaching biology at one of the local community colleges and that's what I was doing when I got an email from one of my former undergraduate research assistants she had moved to Stanford for graduate school and she sent me this hosting for this job in the writing program. She was like, I think you'd be really good at this. And I I was like, no, I was like, I cannot. I'm not, I'm not a writer. I'm a scientist. I can't do that. And I I mean, I had really struggled writing my dissertation. Like it took me longer than it should have um, because I just had really bad writer's block. And like, it was, it was all of that integrating of all of the work I had done was really difficult in pulling it together in my dissertation. So I remember I was like, no. And I like deleted the email and then later I went back to it and I was like, well, I guess it can't hurt. Like I might as well just apply for it. And yeah, I've been here ever since basically. Um, I definitely, you know, feel like writing was always something that I struggled with. Like I, I liked doing kind of creative writing, but sort of academic writing was something I struggled with. And so I feel like I can use that like that struggle is beneficial to me as a teacher because I can understand students who might also be struggling in different ways and how I can help them with it. Um, but it's interesting when I talk to the science communication students, because I do feel in some ways, like I am kind of without an identity in some cases that like, I have this identity as a scientist and now I have this identity as like a writing teacher. But those are like completely different sort of disciplines and spheres. And so thinking about like how to bring those together um, is is something that sometimes I feel sort of without a without a disciplinary home. Um, but that's, I guess, always the challenge of doing sort of interdisciplinary work is that you sometimes end up kind of in between different places. But I think with the, the science communication program, I really have kind of carved out this little niche of like, this is, this is who I am and this is where I live. Um, I help scientists who want to be good communicators. And I get to teach and I get to work with technology and do all those things that I love. So, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. It's fun to sort of, I don't know, I sort of I I can inhabit both of those worlds with the students, which I also think is really useful. Like I can see them like I remember that chemistry class and, you know, I remember that hard thing that you're doing. But also like I can come with you. I can help you with these tools that I've also learned about. One thing that's great about our program is like we all, all of us who are sort of involved with it all have these different stories of these different kind of trajectories that we've taken. And it's been really great to see like, so I can bring kind of the natural sciences background. Um, the current coordinator for the program is a social scientist. And so she can bring that background. Um, one of the, we sort of rotate through the coordinator role every few years. So when a, another person who had done it, she's a historian of science. And so we all have these different kind of um these different expertise that we've brought to the program. You know, some people like Janae were very, you know, just from that ret comp background and could bring that aspect. And so it's just been really lovely. Like I, that's why I love our program so much. And especially the, the intro to science communication course is that it's been team taught by so many different people. And like each person has added their own little bit of expertise so that, you know, now that we've been doing this for almost 10 years, like we've really built this really strong program that can reach a lot of different students, um, because we're all bringing in these different kind of interdisciplinary backgrounds and it just, yeah, it's a lot of fun and yeah, I couldn't have done it. It's not just me, right? Like it's all of us here in the program who've been working on it and, um, pulling together and bringing in our different expertise so that the program is really strong and really serves students in a wonderful way, um, which is the most important thing?
0: This concludes our conversation. To hear our next episode, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. The Digication Scholars Conversations series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K 12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.